金の音は響く心の中へと広く深く物語のような推しの雫その中に細い線路を築く時間とともに時代は動く流れる推しを静かに動く目を閉じて耳を澄ますバー GOOD BYE 光負けずにしっかり今解き放て誰かに届くまで平行の光はこの向こうに君たちと作っていくストーリー見上げたやつはの星に勝ちの光石への思い向かいが時代を色褪せるそなくとも左に瞳に映る誰かの叫び風に思いを月に願いを力あるかけに生きてくんだ今日も見上げたやつはの星に勝ちの光So,、uh, I'm very shocked.、Uh, I actually got an episode summary below a thousand words. <laughs> actually,、um, we, should do, we should do a proper intro, an actual intro. An actual intro? Yes, an actual intro, and then just get into it. We have. We can do that? Sure. We, See? We can. We can just do that? It's simple. It's, th- it's just. Listen, it's, it's just. Here. <laughs> Welcome to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam. And I'm your other host, Lily. I, I guess we're doing a regular podcast opening and not going to talk about cheese. And then we've got Lynn in the chat, who is. Or we've also got Lynn in the call, who's communicating with us. I, I'm like baffled. We're, we're doing a, a podcast opening. We've, Sam, we're doing, we're Sam, doing a podcast now. We're doing a podcast. We're in it. We're, we're in, in a in podcast.、It? Oh my god, I'm getting a phone call right as we start the podcast. Oh my god, I might have to take this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? I am so sorry. Sam can, can return. I have returned. Welcome back. Is that the right term? Oh my god. Should we just restart the podcast? I think, ju- I think we just start talking about Bleach. I like the intro I did, more or less.、We、yeah, just- I like the intro too, and I, like, <laughs> I kind of like the energy of suddenly a phone call. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Okay, we're back.、Uh, crisis averted.、Uh, let's talk about fucking Bleach. Should we just get right into it, or do we have any housekeeping to do? No, I think, we're ju- I think let's just get right into this.、Uh, actually, actually, no, we. D- well, we. I'll repeat it here because we did, in theory, have a message last time about、mm-hmm. uh, this episode, which should have been the podcast for Tuesday the 23rd, being pushed、mm-hmm. back to Tuesday the 30th. And going forward, our schedules, instead of recording the podcast two days before it goes live, the idea is to record it like one week in advance. So when we next record, it's going to be the 28th, and that episode is going to go out on the 7th. Yeah, we're,、uh, it'll give me more time to edit, make sure、uh, everything sounds good,、uh, run it by my test group, aka my polycule. It, it, <laughs> and, you know,、uh, yeah, that should be good. Yeah, and if anything、uh, happens, then we'll, we'll have more leeway when it comes to either picking a new day to, re-、uh, new day to record if something happens during the week, or if、yeah. one of us needs to do some extra editing or other stuff because, I don't know, maybe your laptop explodes or something. 
Yeah, here's hoping not. Um, I do have a desktop as well if we need to, so. Uh, okay, I guess let's uh, get right to the summary. Um, so we're, we are covering episodes five and six this week. Um, let's start with five. Uh, it is called Beat the Invisible Enemy. Ichigo runs down the street, recalling fond memories of how his sisters changed after their mother died. They were both crybabies until their mom died, at which point Karin stopped crying altogether, and Yuzu took on the ho all the housekeeping duties. Supposedly, through broken legs and reprimandation, though, Karin never cried. She didn't cry when she broke her leg! <laughs> yeah, I know! <laughs> this child is a Terminator. Uh, also, I do want to... Like, I'm taking the L on a thing I said last time, because last time I basically said, well, Karen shows up, and Ichigo has to run home, but he doesn't actually run home, he just kind of, like, leaves her there. But at the start of the episode, they say, oh, no, actually, no, he does actually, he does bring her back, like, to their place. Yeah, it seems like it was kind of, like, flip-flopping on that one, but, yeah, he did bring her home. Um, so, uh, yeah, she has not cried, uh, not even when breaking her leg, until... This fucking bird boy happened? Which, I mean, fair, like, shit's pretty sad. Yeah, and then Ichigo has, like, just another of those really good Big Brother moments when he's like, Karen, leave this to me. God, I, I fucking love Ichigo. Ichigo's so good. He's a good brother. Uh, meanwhile, we get back to the fight between the Hollow Shrieker and Rukia. We get that same shot of the knee to the face in the long, long spell from the last episode. But now Chad appears in a really cool shot, punching Shrieker in the face. Chad's like, did I get him? And Rukia, not hearing him, is like, can he see ghosts? But then we see Chad punching the air over and over. And just it, it's just empty air. And she's like, oh, I, I guess not. That, that seems really fucking funny. This man will not stop like not being able to see or hear an enemy. This will not stop him from protecting the weak and innocent. <laughs> Chad is just too cool for school. Stay cool, Chad. <laughs> Shrieker gets up and gets a prompt face punch as Rugia notes that Chad is calmly fighting an invisible enemy. Shrieker flies in the air. Chad asks Rugia if, if she can see Ghost, and she's like, don't worry about it. I, I, I didn't get this. I, I feel like she could have just, like, given him a straight answer. Yeah, well, because she's got, she, in theory, she's not supposed to, I think, she's not supposed to uh, reveal, like, the fact that she's not a human to anyone, right? And then yeah. Ichigo the, is the one exception because he does have, like, all of her powers. Yeah, but... But I also... Mean, I, feel, I feel like in response to can you see ghosts, she could have just been like, yeah, help me fight this thing. Yeah, she could have just been like... You know how Ichigo's sisters can see ghosts? Yeah, I'm also a human being who can see ghosts. It's fine. Lin, being like, Rukia, no straight answers. I can only give gay ones. God, you're so right, Lin. You are 100% correct. God. So, uh, Chad doesn't worry about it. He asks where Shrieker is, and then pulls a telephone pole off its base. Like, he's- it, it would be one thing if he, like, pulled it out of the ground, but it, like, snaps? And with Rukia's help, he smashes Shrieker out of the air with it, and then just, like, throws the pole aside. Yeah, it's just like, hey, can you see ghosts? Sorta, kinda, yeah. <laughs> he just lifts up the telephone pole and is like, yo, where are you at? <laughs> like, this man, actually peerless. 
I fucking love Chad. Um, Rukia tells Shrieker to give up. He laughs and says this is why he keeps killing Soul Reapers, as they keep underestimating him. Uh, suddenly a swarm of amphibian-looking creatures, apparently called targets, fly down and pin Rukia and Chad to the ground. Uh, Shrieker decides that he's going to eat Rukia first, when Chad, in the best part of Bleach ever, stands up and throws off throws all the targets off himself with a nice flex of his muscles. These things are kind of cute. Like, they're kind of like a cross between a ladybug, a toad, and a Roswell gray alien, which... Yeah, I like their design. In the, in the course of looking up, like... Because I was trying to remember if it was called if he, the term was Roswell Gray, uh, the other another like quote unquote common term for them are Zeta Reticulans. I love those. That's a good name. But yeah. So Chad's just like, doesn't matter that there's super strong little bug things on me. Nah. <laughs> uh, this time I did try and shorten like the fight scenes. Uh, because I figured just, like, describing every single thing that happens in the fight would be redundant. So you're going to hear a lot of the fight continues and the battle rages and that sort of shit. So uh, the fight continues with Rukia leading Chad until Shrieker's up in the air again. Rukia tells Chad she has an idea, and we see him holding Rukia, like, she's, like, sitting <laughs> down in his arms, and he's, like, preparing to launch her into the air. It's, it's really good. He's like... I don't know if this is going to work. And Rukia like, is like, we'll use your strength and my brains. And Chad is like, this doesn't seem that smart. But I thought Rukia was so rude here. He's like, we'll use your strength and my brains and you'll shoot me like a missile. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Uh, Shrieker is getting confident again in the air. When Rukia comes hurtling towards him, he sort of feigns fear. And then he launches more targets at Rukia, causing her to fall. And she's, like, narrowly saved by Chad. I don't think this would, like, actually break your fall, but you know what? Good, good on you, it looks good. She tries to remove the targets from her body, because they kind of, like, they kind of, like, explode into these, like, leech-like creatures. And Shrieker vibrates his, like, forked tongue. It's like a circular fork on the end of it. It's like a tuning fork, sort of. Yeah, it's it's a tuning fork, basically. Uh, and he vibrates it, and it, like, causes this, like, high-pitched tone. And it makes all the leeches that, like, came out of the targets to explode. This is a cool power. I like this power. It's cool, but also those leeches are disgusting. Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I like the little guys. They're kind of cute. But then the leeches are like, oh, gr oh gross. <laughs> Yeah, the, the leeches are so grody. They're, like, pink and fleshy and ugh. I actually, like, have a thing. Like, I can't look at, like, normal-ass leeches, so I'm, I'm really glad these aren't, like, normal leeches, but god, they're bad. They're still bad. Chad gets ready to fight again when Shrieker reveals that he has found Yuichi, the parakeet Chad uh, has been sworn to protect. Yuichi apologizes and targets swarm the cage, and Chad's unable to do much to help. Rukia runs, luring an entertained Shrieker to follow. The chase continues with Rukia getting hit by leeches once more, and Shrieker claims she looks pretty when covered in blood. The chase resumes until finally Rukia stops and turns. Shrieker stops as well, and asks if she's given up already. She says she hasn't, and in fact plans to attack, because he said she could. Suddenly, Ichigo shows up, landing on the hollow's head, and he reminds Rukia that she promised not to worry him by screwing up, to which he says, so you were worried, and Ichigo admits that he was. Good dynamic. 
they have a good dynamic here. It's a good dynamic. I also like, like, it only lasts for, like, maybe two or three seconds, but just before Rukia runs away, Chad just, like, gets up and he puts himself in between Rukia and where he thinks that uh, Shrieker is, because he still can't see Shrieker. And he's like, well, she just exploded and was thrown back, so he's probably in this direction. And then he just, like, stands there like a badass. <laughs> and I'm like, shit. Stay cool, Chad. <laughs> God. Stay cool, Chad. God, I have a feeling Chad's just going to be our favorite character in this entire show. Shrieker gets annoyed by his teenage passenger when Ichigo gets off his head and introduces himself. Name, title, and age included. Okay, is this just me, or does every teenager in Bleach always include their age when they introduce themselves? Because Chad, last episode, was like, I'm Yasutora Sato or whatever. Uh, I'm 15 years old. And then Ichigo, every single time, has been like, Ichigo Kurosaki, 15 years old. Why are they doing this? I think it's it might be tradition in the, like, yo, here's my full introduction. I'm going to beat your ass into the ground. <laughs> like kind of th- like style it's like i don't have a business card to just tell you exactly who i am but i'm going to tell you exactly who i am so you know you got beat by a 15 year old ichigo kurosaki substitute soul reaper 15 years old i'm 15 and mean says lynn very good god as ichigo and shrieker battle shrieker remarks that ichigo actually looks the tastiest Ichigo yells at the Hollow for disrespecting women, calling him a pig, to which Shrieker responds by stating that means Ichigo will be eaten by a pig, which, not a very good comeback. Chad finds Rukia, as well as Ichigo's now soulless body, and reasonably wonders what's happening. Rukia tells him to hide the body as well as Yuichi, and that Ichigo is fighting right now, don't worry about it. This is the most worried that Chad has looked in the entire show so far, including when he's, like, worrying about the parakeet's life. (laughs) Chad... Can Chad and Ichigo, like, be gay? Can they be boyfriends? Would, would that be good? I th- I feel like Ichigo is more of, like, an aggressively ace kind of guy. You know, I can see that. I can see that. I, I feel... <laughs> this, this is what our podcast has come to. I, I, okay, but... I mean, being ace doesn't necessarily mean he's aromantic. I mean, I I think he could have, like, a, a nice, like, platonic relationship, maybe, with, like, Chad. Like, not... Mm. Like, you're not wrong, but Ichigo, like, like aggressively denies any and all, like, feelings that he gets. You were so right. <laughs> he's like, what? what's this? Trepidation? Or what's this? Caring about someone? <laughs> no. No, it just takes him, like, three episodes to admit it. Or actually, in this case, in case for Rukia, it just takes him about six episodes to admit it. Five episodes? What are numbers? Don't forget, he's a teenager, so he's, like, feelings. Not, 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 not here. Not over here. No way. I'm cool. Somebody asks if he cares, he's just like, no. As the fight continues, Ichigo gains the advantage, stopping his blade just at Shrieker's neck, asking if he's the one who killed Yuichi's bomb. In a twist of fate, Yuichi explains that Shrieker said it was his fault Rukia and Chad got hurt, because all he wants to do is bring his mom back to life. Rukia looks, like, fucking furious. Like, her eyes are drawn in this really interesting way, where you can just tell she's, like, livid at this. And she asks, uh, who told Yuichi he could bring his mom back? And it turns out that Shrieker reveals 
Yes, he's the one who's killed who killed Yuichi's mother. In life, he was a serial killer, and Yuichi's mother was his final victim. He had chased her to the veranda, and Yuichi grabbed his shoelaces, which tripped him over the railing of the veranda, making him fall to his death. As revenge, he put Yuichi's soul in a parakeet. This is not explained how, how that works, by the way telling the boy that if he could evade him for three months, he would bring Yuichi's mother back to life. He can't actually do this, of course, but Yuichi believed him anyway. I actually really liked this part because Treaker gives off this, like, really, really sinister, like, comment about how, like, every single time Yuichi, like, somebody got hurt because of Yuichi, he would want to, like, quit, and every single time, Shrieker would, like, taunt Yuichi, being like, oh, don't you want to see your mother again? What what would she think of you? And, like, oh, it, it's a really good way of making you, like, really, really want this hollow to get fucking murdered. Yeah, and, like, he specifically frames it as, like, don't you want to save your mother? Like, that's how he tells it to Shuichi, uh, Yuichi. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, oh, that, like, this guy, this guy is trash. And it's like, at this point, I'm just like... All right, Ichigo, like, like cut him in half. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Ichigo, get his ass. Ichigo is reasonably furious by this and shoves a fistful of the exploding leeches through Shrieker's teeth into his mouth. And Shrieker looks fucking terrified. Uh, and Ichigo's like, come on, aren't you going to set your bombs off? And when, obviously, Shrieker doesn't, Ichigo just rips out his fucking tongue. It, it's so good. It's so good! It was such a cathartic moment. You're like, mm, yes, finally, this guy is... Because at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, Ichigo keeps being told, like, hey, go for the fastest kill if you don't want to die. Like, kill him in one shot and everything. But in this case, you're like, mm, no, this guy... you do, This guy doesn't deserve a, cl a clean one. No. He really, really doesn't. He slashes through the mask afterwards, and then a large gate with like big skeletons on the front it just like kind of forms out of the ground it like comes out of the ground uh and like the doors open up there's a skeleton on each door it looks rad as fuck honestly it looks like something and this is just because i've been playing a lot of diablo uh it looks like something right out of diablo but less racist yeah like these things are metal as hell it's like oh yeah no just by the way this can happen sometimes when you kill a hollow, I guess. Yeah, um, Rukia, like, explains that these are the gates of hell, and they are reserved for souls who committed sins in life. The Zanpakuto only washes away sins committed after death. The gates swallow Shrieker, and they've- it's, like, this really, like, surprisingly gruesome scene where he, like, gets impaled, and it, like, drags him in. Like- Oh, it was good. Yeah, like, it's it's a hand bigger than Shrieker himself holding an even bigger sword that stabs through him and then drags him into the gates. And you're like, oh, Jesus, what is in there? Uh, it, it really makes you want to want to go to hell and see what's in there. It, it's good. It's fucking good. <laughs> it's like, imagine, ha imagine being Ichigo and seeing this happen and be like, oh, hell is, like, a thing. Hell is real. Heaven isn't. Uh, heaven's just called Soul Society. But hell? Nah, hell's real. Yeah, because at this point he's like, oh, Soul Society's like a weird like bureaucracy with cops, I guess. <laughs> but this, oh shit, like this is hell. 
Later, Ichigo, Chad, and Rukia gather around Yuichi. Rukia notes his chain of fate has been severed, so he can't be returned to his body. She tells him that Soul Society is a nice place, and that he'll feel, like, light and, like, floaty, and it'll be very nice. He won't ever have to eat again if he doesn't want to. Uh, Yuichi seems, like, really dejected and sad, but Ichigo comes out and is like, hey, you're doing a shit job. Hey, by the way, you'll get to see your mom again if you go up there, and... Yuichi's just, like, immediately, like, oh, okay, I guess that's where I want to go. I'm happy again. It's good. Yeah, like, I, I really, really like this moment because cause we know that Ichigo has also been traumatized by the loss of his mother. And mm-hmm. so he knows that, like, and, like, he also knows that there's this, one of his sisters is this kid's age. And it's also, like, the most traumatizing event in her life so far. So he's like, hey, yeah. like, just so you know specifically like here this one thing that you are very worried about and that's caused you so much trauma like it's okay if you go to soul society it gets better yeah ichigo is like a good soul reaper when he starts like a surprisingly good soul reaper uh in terms of like actually like doing his job i really like this moment too yuichi thanks chad for protecting him and manifests his soul outside of the parakeet stating that he should be going. Chad asks if, after he dies and passes on, can I run around with you in my arms again? And Yuichi smiles, saying yes. Uh, I just want to imagine, like, a really, really old Chad, (laughs) uh, like, running around in Soul Society with Yuichi. I think that'd be so cute. Like, I'm not disagreeing, but also, like, that... That sentence to me, like, just felt, like, really weird, because it's like... It was? Like, I know that, like, because when you look at it from Chad's perspective, it's basically the only way, the only connection he has to Yuichi at all is, hey, remember that time where we were running away for our lives together? (laughs) And he's kind of, he's sort of proposing that, but without the danger, which is a good thing, but it's also like... (laughs) Hello, real-ass human child. Can I just pick you up and run with you in my arms? <laughs> Chad just wants to be a dad. Happy Father's Day, da- Chad. <laughs> Stay dad, Chad. <laughs> a happy Ichigo prepares Konso, and we cut to Karin, who tearfully thanks Ichigo for saving the boy. And the episode ends there. This is a good episode. It was a good episode. I'm really glad that we have... Like, the the f- the first half of the arc is like, okay, well, Chad's good, but also, like, not, not a bunch of stuff happens. And then uh, there's a lot of focus in this, spe- in this episode in particular that's like, listen, Chad was cool last time, but what if he was even cooler? <laughs> really is like that. I, it, I think, like, as a whole, I think I liked this mini arc better than the last one. Um, I think it was, like, much better executed, and, like, I think it did save all the highs, like, the really high moments for this episode, and I thought they were, like, much more engaging, and, like, it was, it was exciting. It it was really good to watch. Well, it also gives, uh, it also gives Chad a lot of agency, right? Like, Chad's around here doing, like, Chad is definitely not a victim in these episodes. He is absolutely, like, hey exchange student who I barely know and seems to be able to see ghosts. There seems to be, like, a murder force that's, like, 
throwing bombs around, but could you point me in its direction so I can punch its lights out? <laughs> like, Chad himself is very much an agent of action. Like, he's performing actions here. He's taking control of, of the scenario. And then, in addition, we've got... Although this is something that the last arc also had. We have, like, Ichigo, the empathetic Soul Reaper, who's like, oh, yeah... Like, here's the thing that, like, really caused this person a bunch of trauma. So let's talk about that specific thing and let's try to improve this specific thing. Which is really nice. Like, I I enjoy... I had forgotten how emotionally intelligent Ichigo is. Yeah, I I forgot about that as well. Like, I've been really surprised where... Whereas he, like, denies his own emotions a lot... When other people are suffering, he's very able to intuit that and, like, work with them to try and come to something that will, like, actually help them. Uh, And he's very, very willing to bend over backwards and help other people. And I think that makes for a very interesting character trait. Um, I am liking Ichigo a lot more than I expected to upon starting this rewatch, honestly. Yeah, like, it's even, it's something that we'll, we'll get to it in the next episode amongst the other stuff that we'll get to in next episode, but it's also probably, like, the my favorite moments in the next episode are also just, like, oh, yeah, Ichigo's a very empathetic soul, but not... He f- he doesn't feel empathetic in the way that shonen heroes are, like, are often... Like, there's... You've got shonen heroes who are, like, actually empathetic, and then you've got shonen heroes who are, like, generically empathetic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get it. Whereas Ichigo's, got- like... Oh, I'm going to zero in on this specific issue and go, oh, this is the problem that needs fixing. Yeah, I... You've got your, like, Naruto's who are like, oh, I know what'll fix this. Violence. And then you've got, like, Ichigo, who's like, this kid is sad specifically because his mother is dead and he feels like he'll never get to see his mother again. I know for a fact that if you go to Soul Society... You will meet your mother again. Uh, and, like, it's just the thing this kid needs. He takes care of his sister. He, you know, has always been willing to help, like, Orihime, like, if she's, like, fallen or something, even if he's kind of a dunce about it. He just overall is a caring guy, and I, I like that about him. I mostly agree. I just dis- I just think that Naruto is also a good kind of empathetic shonen hero. Oh, I like Naruto, don't get me wrong. I, Naruto was a bad example. Naruto was a really bad example. Ah, oh, god, uh, fuck. Goku. I'm gonna- yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna Goku? throw Goku under the bus. Here we go. Yeah, sorry, Goku. He, like, Goku is the, the most generically- Why can't we be friends? Let's just- let's just do this. And- <laughs> Whatever. This is not a Dragon Ball criticism podcast- I also like Dragon Ball very much, but this is a thing that I have with the character. Welcome to Bustin' Balls, a Dragon Ball criticism podcast oh, within a Bleach podcast. <laughs> let's, let's just move on to the next one. <laughs> Alright, let's, let's take like a five minute break. Fight to the death. Ichigo versus Ichigo. Just before we do get into this episode, uh, I want to state there's probably going to end up being discussion about the way that women are treated, specifically in this episode, but it may lead to further discussion of how they've been treated in the show thus far. 
I just want to give a heads up about that. I think it's a conversation worth having, but uh, you know what? We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Rukia sits on a roof, looking at her Kikon Shiki, and her hand spasms unnaturally. She decides she needs to replenish her supplies. In the morning, Ichigo comes to bring her some breakfast, but she's already gone, and her pajamas are neatly folded on the bed. Downstairs, the Kurosakis note how much Ichigo has been eating lately, and Ashin states a young man would only lock himself in his room for one reason, and then immediately gets in a fight with Ichigo. Thankfully, Ichigo, that's when Ichigo appears and kicks him upside the head. <laughs> yeah, were they, they were absolutely about to make a masturbation joke in there, weren't they? He was 100% implying that Ichigo, the only reason Ichigo is staying in his room is to like w- w- look at dirty magazines or whatever. Jesus Christ. It's just another, you know, day at the Kurosaki's house. Nothing different. Outside the shop, two young children, Ururu and Jinta, sweep and play imaginary baseball, respectively. Uh, Ururu's sweeping. Jinta is, you know, playing baseball with his fucking broom. Ururu tells Jinta to get to work before Tessai scolds him, but Jinta ain't having it. He berates her and starts kind of, like, pushing her head down with his broom and, like, berating her and stating that she's his underling despite her being three years older he like he is the worst he is the most like snot-nosed brat out of all snot-nosed brats like he's just like here's my character introduction i am immediately the worst yeah i fucking hate jinta get him out of here rukia shows up and grabs the broom out of jinta's hand stating that jinta never changes jinta like doesn't recognize her which is a detail i think worth mentioning but i don't know if this is touched upon like ever again and then rikia asks if the boss is in he reluctantly pulls back the store shutter and we see tessai who is like carrying a bunch of boxes and he like pauses and he's like it's too early to open but then he notices rikia and he's like oh kuchiki welcome uh i'll go get the boss but as we see very shortly uh the boss walks uh on screen and yawns and kisuke urahara is already up He's here. Uh, we we made it to our striped hat boy. I I remember liking Urahara a lot. I'm I'm excited to see more of him. We'll we'll get to how I feel about him in this episode, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah, I'll 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 wait until we get there to also get there because I also I also yeah. have to get there. There there are yeah. things to be gotten there too. There are things to get to there eventually, uh, in like a couple paragraphs. He informs Rukia that he just received a shipment yesterday, and she buys a lot of cheap stuff. I didn't write down exactly what she said, but it was definitely some, like, throwaway line. Yeah, it's like fuel and something. There's one of them that can be toxic. Uh, like a Soma enhancer or some shit. Yeah, he warns her a bit about oversinking, and she's like, well, I'm having a hard time sinking, so, you know, maybe not an actual problem. Yeah. To describe, he specifically states that, like, the stuff that, like, powers her, like, Gigai is toxic in large amounts because it's, like, so cheap. And he says that leaving her Gigai will cause her great pain if she is overly synchronized with it. But Rukia notes her connection with it has been weak, so she she gotta. Urahara then immediately does, like, the grossest shit and, like, does the classic, like, anime perv move. And is like, well, I could give you a free checkup if you want. And this immediately turned me off to Urahara. I I was very disappointed hearing that. Yeah, like, when I was in high school and I first was going through Bleach, 
I thought this guy was the absolute coolest. Like, I had the hat, I had the sandals, I was the hugest Urahara stand, and now, like, watching him here, I'm like, oh, right, this guy is a weird creeper pervert who's like, hey, want me to feel you up so I can find out what the problem is? And he's like, oh, God, it's just like, get out. It, it, reads, it reads as even grosser to me because Urahara is specifically, like, an adult. And, like, the thing is, even though we... No, and Urahara definitely does know that Rukia is like what you know a couple hundred years old. Urahara like is like oh you're in your schoolgirl uniform you are you appear to be like fifteen can I feel you up and it's gross it's fucking gross yeah it's just it's it's not great like that that's the first of many things I have to talk about this episode but we're we're gonna get there we're gonna get there. Yeah, uh, as Lynn says, it doesn't matter what the actual age is. Rukia is acting like a teenager, and she's grouped with teenagers. And yeah, I, I agree with that. It's the anime golden rule: the twelve-year-old, the twelve-year-old looking thousand-year dragon, is still a twelve-year-old if she acts like a twelve-year-old that is grouped with teens. <laughs> like, absolutely, absolutely. After Uruhara does the gross shit, Rukia gets reasonably annoyed and refuses before asking if her order is in. Th- that line's like kind of like thrown away, but I, I, I just Uruhara has Ururu fetch it, and Rukia asks if it's the only kind they could get. Apparently, it's the second most popular variety, so it was hard to get supposedly. Which, whatever. Back at school, Rukia greets everyone politely before immediately punching Ichigo and dragging him out of class. I, I love this sequence of events because she, she greets them. She's like, hi, everyone. <laughs> and, and then she's like, hey, Ichigo, could you like go talk to me outside? And he's like, no, and you want, if you want to talk to me, just say it here. And then he just like doubles over in pain. We don't even <laughs> see how or where she hits him. She just one hit KOs him and drags him out the door. Yeah, and then Mizuriro's like, did she just hit him? And then Keigo's like smiling, and I think he's crying too. And he's like, I didn't see a thing. He's like, I, young couple in love, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see this happening. Either that, or he's the the other like interpretation that I had for this is that she kicked him in the nuts, and he's got and he's got like the sympathy pain. And he's like, oh, and that's why he's crying. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen because I don't like seeing that happen. <laughs> that, that, both of those readings are good. Outside, Rukia tosses Ichigo a Pez dispenser with a duck head. Apparently, it's called a Gigongan, an artificial soul that will take over for Ichigo while he's out fighting hollows. He asks why it has soul candy written on it, and Rukia notes that the Soul Reaper Women's Association thought Gigongan wasn't a cute name, and she wanted the rabbit, Chappie, instead of a duck. This is kind of a throwaway joke, and this kind of, like, further adds to the tone of this episode. I didn't think this was funny, specifically because, like, I thought it was really weird that they just, like, brought up the Soul Reaper Women's Association, like, out of nowhere, just to make a throwaway joke about, oh, Gikongan isn't a cute enough name, we have to have this, like, changed. I, I don't know, they... It just kind of read as, like, bad to me. Like, so on on this side, I like I, un- I understand and agree with what you're saying. Uh, when I was watching the episode, I did find it a little funny because, just because of the fact that they're implying that the Women's Soul Reapers Association, which is basically, like, 
okay, like, here's the group, you know, like, we have those, like, Women Programmers Association and all that for mm-hmm. such and such company. It's like, it's it happens. and But the implication is that this item, which seems like something that pretty much any, like, this seems like a fairly basic, like, all Soul Reapers should have this item. So the implication is that they have enough clout to get this changed. Yeah, that I can read that as funny, for sure. I, I just, you know, I thought the, the whole implication that, oh, like, we're going to mention this thing once as a throwaway joke to make here about how it wasn't cute enough. I, I don't know. That, that part didn't read that funny to me, but I understand why you thought, like, that part was funny uh, in, like, regards to the perspective you have on it. That makes sense. Yeah, and, like... You have a totally valid read, and it's like, and, you know, you're right. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, they didn't think it was cute enough, so now it's soul candies. Yay. Women be shopping. Like Lynn said, women are only allowed to like cute things, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> only. Ichigo says he doesn't understand what it does, so Rukia tells him to just go ahead and take one. He pops one into his mouth. I, I thought, like, the little squish of the duck head was pretty funny. And it, like, glows, and we get a shot of it going down his throat. It's very weird, and it, like, almost looks like it was, like, CGI. It, it's very weird. It was like, oh, this is a weird place to put, like, most of your animation budget for this episode. Yeah. His soul pops out, and his body falls limp, like, against the railing. And then Rukia explains that a substitute soul is now in his body. Nobody will ever notice. Not Ichigo introduces himself very politely, claiming his favorite phrase is early to bed, early to rise. Ichigo claims nobody will be fooled before Rukia says there's a hollow nearby. Let's go ahead and leave the substitute here. Early to bed, early to rise got so much laughter out of me. That was so fucking funny. I love that it's like, hi, my name's Ichigo. Early to bed and early to rise is my motto. And Ichigo's like, what? <laughs> How, who's going to get fooled by this? No one is going to believe this man is me. <laughs> this is clearly not me. Yeah, this guy's not, uh, like Lynn says, this guy's not teen mean. He's 15 and polite. <laughs> Rukia drags Ichigo away, and he tells not Ichigo to go ahead and attend his next class. Not Ichigo agrees, and then drops his pleasant facade as they leave, telling them to take their time with like a kind of menacing look on his face. Back at Urahara's shop, Urahara notices the opened box that Uduru pulled the soul candy out from. Turns out, it's actually defective merchandise, and Uduru is berated for this. He, like, brings the box out, and, like, I, what I read is he, like, brought the box out so everybody could see what happened, which I get, like, they have to take care of it, but, like, I feel like he should have talked to Uduru about it, like, one-on-one first, and then, like... He just, like, watches for, like, 30 seconds as, like, Jinta is, like, the active worst to her. It really sucks. Yeah, like, he do- like he doesn't necessarily, like, berate her or anything. He's just like, hey, you gave them the raw merchandise. But then, like, Jinta goes off being Jinta for presumably comedy reasons. But it's just, like, him tugging on her hair or whatever and, and just calling being, her stupid. Like, terrible. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm... I really don't like this guy, and every second that he's on screen, I like him a lot less. Like, hey, Urhar, could you, like, be the adult and stop them? Hey, Tessai, aren't you an adult as well? And then Urhar, like, 30 seconds in, is just like, hey, could you guys, like, please stop fighting? And it's, like, the weakest, like, adult thing I've ever seen anybody do. It made me very angry, and it's, 
I'm not liking Urahara so far. I'm really upset by that. Tessai notes that the Gikongan is going to be trouble. I'm sorry, I actually have a, a typo here. I say that Tessai notes that the Gikongan is going to be tropal, which I think is very funny. But Urahara says they need to take care of it ASAP. Nanichigo stretches his new arms and legs before destroying the fence with a single kick with no effort. This was wild, uh, not knowing what was going on here. Just, like, seeing him, like, stretch out for a bit and then immediately just effortlessly destroy this fence. He celebrates having a new body and a groundkeeper demands to know what he's doing. And he's like, wait a second, that's Kurosaki. I recognize you. Narichigo walks threateningly towards him uh, and then just, like, flies over him, landing on a roof that's, like, 20 feet away. It should be noted that this guy who... Seems to be coded as, like, the gym teacher, right? Because he's got, he's got like, the, the full jumpsuit thing. Um, he's carrying a kendo stick, and he's, like, going to beat him. <laughs> like, he's, he's, he takes a swing at him. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. He hasn't seen him do anything. He's just like, what's that ruckus? Hey, you, do you know what happened to that fence? It's like, nope, don't know. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm just going to beat you with this kendo stick. <laughs> God, and then, like, Narichigo just, like, starts, like, walking directly towards him, like, very menacingly, before just jumping over him. It's, it's a, the jump was a weird angle, but you know what? I'll deal. He leaves the shocked groundskeeper, and lunch period begins. Orihime and Tatsuki are having very gay lunch, and there's, like, a really cute scene there, and Orihime claims that a healthy girl comes to school exclusively for lunch. It's the only reason you want to go to school. <laughs> she, like, has, like, a loaf of bread and bean jam. It's very good. One cute interaction with a classmate later, Narichigo appears flying next to the window, shocking everyone and asking if this is his class. That was fucking funny. Meanwhile, Ichigo takes down, the like, real Ichigo, takes down a hollow with ease before stating he's got a bad feeling about things. And we cut back to not Ichigo, who stands on the windowsill, and Tatsuki demands to know how he got up there. I jumped, duh, he replies, asking if they're amazed. Not Ichigo is just loving this, this attention before noting that all the girls in the class are very good looking, stating they're above average, and then the camera very, very much focuses on Orihime's boobs. Oh yeah, it like zooms in. Yeah, it like zooms in, and it, it's like five seconds of just like her boobs. And she's a, she's a teenager. Thank you, show. I did not need that. And he leaps to her desk, asks for her name, and immediately kisses her hand. It's really gross. And every single girl in the class is shocked, and Tatsuki restrains him, thinking that Ichigo has gotten nuts. Night Ichigo then states that, hey, you're pretty cute up close too. And then we cut back to Ichigo and Rukia as they rush back to school, and Ichigo admits to being worried about how the substitute is doing. He's like, my, my respect women's senses are tingling. <laughs> they stop as they hear screaming coming from the classroom, and they see a desk fly out the window. And Rukia's like... Okay, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're on to something. Maybe your respect women's senses are right. And they hurry. And in class, an angry Tatsuki throws another desk at Nanichigo, who's like, I only kissed your cheek. You're not in grade school. Stop freaking out. And she throws another desk. Okay, so I think at this point is probably like a good point to start this conversation, and we can kind of continue it throughout the rest of the episode. I fucking hated this. Like, 
actually. Um, this episode, in general, frames women as jokes. And the harassment of women as jokes. It does it from the very beginning uh, with Rukia as Urdahara, like, you know, offers to give her, like, a free checkup or whatever. It does it with Uduru, who's constantly throughout the episode berated for being, like, stupid despite being a child. And then, like, in this scene with Nanichigo, he's, like, straight up harassing women, like, actually sexually harassing women, like, kissing them without consent, you know, just being affectionate and, like, telling them, oh, hey, you're not in grade school. Stop freaking out. And it's framed as a joke. Like, I feel like the women in the episode obviously, like, don't see it as a joke. But, like, the way the episode and the show frames it is is very much, oh, you're supposed to be laughing here. This is supposed to be funny. And it's not. It's really not funny. The show definitely plays it off as humor. And because we see, like, oh, like... I'm a big fan of Tatsuki in this scene where she's just picking up desk after desk after desk and chucking it in his direction. And I'm like, she's a hero. She's an absolute hero. But the scene is definitely like, the episode is framing it as her entirely overreacting when it's like, no, like this guy is, well, there's like other reasons for her getting mad than just the kissing on her. She's also very mad because she knows Orihime presumably has feelings for Ichigo and like now he's being super playful and flirt and flirty whatever and so you know like she gets really mad for a, a various amount of like valid reasons and the show is just like mm, that Tatsuki overreacting again women be shopping god it's really like I was so frustrated when I was watching this. I, like, actually almost had to pause the episode and, like, walk out for a second because I was just, like, so deeply frustrated by the way it was framed. It's not, like, a thing that, like, I don't think this changes throughout the show either. Like, I I think, like, women in this show specifically, and th- this goes back to some other episodes, like, we watched previously um, as well as something Lynn said earlier, I'm going to scroll up in our Discord chat. And while you're scrolling, I'll just mention what Lynn's saying right now, which is the show f- takes women's anger and frames it as comedy, and it plays off very reasonable reactions as completely over the top. This character is the designated pervert that has to exist for some reason in like a ton of anime, but like those two specific things, framing women's anger as comedy and playing a reasonable reaction as completely over the top, is like, that's shit that actual people do in real life. To, like, harass women and then not get in trouble for it because, oh, you know, like, oh, uh, look at how mad she's going. Like, I was just going for that reaction and, oh, isn't she, like, going way cra- Like, she's crazy. She's going way overboard with that. And it's like, no, that like, that's a thing people do. It's gross. It's gross. Uh, I found what I was looking for. Something Lynn said while we were discussing the last episode and, like, how much Chad was, like, really detailed in this episode Chad was an active participant in the fight with Shrieker, whereas Orihime was just standing there until she gets hurt. And I think that's a really, really good observation to make here, specifically because this is a theme that does continue throughout the show. And we're going to, I am at least going to break the rule of talking about like future stuff. I'm not going to spoil anything, but this is a theme that continues throughout the show where women are denied agency and become victims. Uh, and it's not always played as a joke. It's worth noting that, but it's very, very frequent that women are treated as weaker 
and like sexualizing women is a thing that happens very often in this show. It's not just this work either. I I haven't read Zombie Powder in years, so I can't like speak to that. But I did read Burn the Witch when it came out, and the very opening like page of that like does immediately start with somebody like clamoring over panties and it's you can do better kubo you can do so much better well like lynn says right now it's rukia doesn't get a single rukia gets less wins in that fight than chad does and you know there's also the fact that like the entire premise of the show is like if if we take the microcosm of chad was an active participant in the fight and orihime didn't really get to do anything until she was injured that's also basically how, like, the premise of the show worked out. Uh, yeah. Like, Rukia didn't, doesn't, like, she gets, like, one scene to show, like, her being cool and killing a monster. But against the actual, like, enemy of the episode, she does nothing. And then she basically gets one hit KO'd. And then she gives all her powers to Ichigo, who does the same to the bad guy. And I feel like that's probably going to be a through line, like, in the show. I'm... <sighs> I am recalling very, very, very many fights in the show that Rukia has that she just get it gets ended by her getting like stabbed in the chest. And like that's a thing that happens over and over in the show. And as a kid, when I was first watching that, like I thought that was kind of funny to like, you know, <laughs> just, oh, well, somebody else has to do it. Uh, is just useless. And now I'm realizing, like, as an older person who now is, you know, identifying as a trans woman who, you know, actually, you know, has been radicalized to the left and, like, has actual thoughts and opinions of my own, you know, I, I realize now it's, it's not that simple. It, it's, this show is very, very anti-woman. And I, I think that's only going to get worse as it goes on. I also have a sneaking suspicion that you are very much right in that sense. Uh, this show doesn't really get any better, as far as I can recollect. It does have it does introduce like several female characters, and most of them, almost all of them, are like, "Hey, yeah, this is a really cool warrior. She's like super experienced, and she's really, really good at what she does." And then almost every single time, one of them has a fight, they get like completely clowned. Yeah. Um, God, um, let's get back to the summary. Ah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like actually getting angry thinking about some of the stuff that like happens later, but let, let's get through the episode. We'll get there when we get there. We can get mad at those when we're forced, when we force ourselves to watch them. Yeah. Listen, guys, bleaching, uh, bleach might not be good. I, I don't know if how to break this to you bleach might not be good worth noting that the origin of this podcast was hmm pretty sure i remember a whole lot of bad things in bleach in bleach but maybe <laughs> there was good <laughs> and now i feel like we've got we've gotten through a couple of episodes and we're like yeah that was actually really good that was some really good stuff and now we're like oh oh, oh. this is this is where it happens well there it is there's bleach <laughs> there it is Tatsuki throws another desk, and Rukia bursts in, demanding that not Ichigo stop. He runs to the window, and real Ichigo hops in through the same window, stating that there's nowhere to run. Not Ichigo grins and kicks the crap out of real Ichigo. 
this part is funny because it like cuts to like the class's perspective as like the fake Ichigo is just like kicking the air. And it, it, it is the same joke from last episode where like Chad was like punching like the air, but this time it just like looks really funny because the entire class is seeing it and they're like, what the hell is going on? And then like the kicks continue and Ichigo gets launched through a bunch of desks, and one of them's like, oh my god, there's a poltergeist! And then Not Ichigo actually leaves, grinning. Rukia then realizes, only now, that he must be a mod soul. Yeah, and then they, and when they pursue, there is a moment of Orihime being like, mm, no, that wasn't actually Ichigo, which is a nice little moment, where she's like, oh yeah, no, I didn't think that was Ichigo for like, a second, as soon as he showed up. Yeah. Uh, there's also, like, there's the comedy of seeing Ichigo's body just, like, kicking empty air, but there's also the fact that, like, Ichigo's getting the shit kicked out of him, literally, but it's like, here's this one, like, super intricate kick combo, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, like, Ichigo's, like, really good at fighting, but he's having a hard time against this guy, and then it just turns into this one kick repeatedly, like, just over and over yeah. and over and over again, it's like, dodge, Ichigo, run, take a dodge. single step. <laughs> Take a single step to your left. Like it, It's okay, Ichigo. We, none of us saw that, and neither did Keigo. There is also, like, as Rukia leaves, Keigo, like, it does cut to Keigo again, and he's like, I didn't notice anything. Because he's like, I, I don't want to see Rukia acting weird. And then Tatsuki says she'll never forgive Ichigo, and then Orihime tells Tatsuki that it was not Ichigo they were seeing. Cut to an abandoned factory, Ichigo laments that the mod soul is ruining his carefully created image and that his, his classmates being harassed is, in fact, a big deal. Rukia explains to him what a mod soul is, and also, like, worth noting here that Rukia also really downplays the harassment here, which I thought was very weird, considering, like, how she reacted, like, earlier to Urahara. I, I thought that was very out of character. And, like, the way she says it, too, is, like, she says, oh, well, in the in my books, much worse things happen to people. And I can't tell if... <sighs> I can't tell if the joke that is supposed to be, like, oh, yeah, like, sometimes there's, like, some really bad shit in, like, old, like, quote-unquote classics. Or if they're, in, yeah. if they're implying that she's moved on to, like, trashy romance novels where this is, like, du jour. Yeah... I, I didn't think that joke was very funny either. But yeah, it's just it is just like just this weird like that was nothing. I don't understand why that crazy girl was being so mad and angry. I'm not like other yeah. girls. I'm Rukia. I'm Rukia. I also an another thing I want to say. This is like the second abandoned factory we've seen in Karakura Town. How many of these are there? Is it the second or is it the first? No, we saw one last like uh the first episode with chad because chad was running through it with yuichi before like one of the first big shots with like uh shrieker shows up where you know we realize oh there's an invisible enemy uh chasing them and so like chad's like running through an abandoned factory with yuichi yeah but what if it's the same factory what if it's just the abandoned factory and they're like oh let's just go to the abandoned factory oh <laughs> God, I, I hope that... I hope we keep coming back to this abandoned factory. <laughs> it's the abandoned factory district, straight for Power Rangers. <laughs> Rukia then explains to him what a mod soul is. So as it turns out, Soul Society worked on something called Project Spearhead, 
which was a program designed to place artificial souls designed for combat in dead human bodies to fight hollows. These souls would make one part of their body superhuman, and that's what's called a mod soul. Brukia asks if Ichigo understands, and he says, yeah, but her drawings erased any tension, which, classic bit, classic bit. But she's also leveled up. Now she can make flipbooks that have animations to them. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. He, uh, he gets smacked by Rukia, and I scribble of the Rukia variety on his face. And he's, like, wiping it off as she explains that the project was cancelled because ethics. And the mod souls were supposed to be destroyed. She's actually surprised any still exist. Ichigo asks her, and I like this moment, Ichigo asks her if she accepts Soul Society's decision to make these artificial souls only to destroy them. And she says it doesn't matter if she accepts it or not. They have to be destroyed by law. You know, the law is meant to protect humans. She's a cop. They're all cops. Yeah. Like, yeah, I literally, in my notes here, the literal next line is, Ruki is a fucking cop. Like, she, like, it's clear that she's not comfortable with it, but at the same time, like, when she's explaining it, it's like, no, the problem isn't, hey, we're creating sentience and then destroying it on a whim. The problem was making dead bodies fight is bad. Yeah. Like, not the artificial people who... All evidence points to them being fully realized consciousnesses. It's, or, I, I don't know, like, it, it's sort of in, I'm not entirely certain if they're supposed to be entirely artificial, or if it's souls that go in for processing to be turned into these things. But in either case, it's like, no, the, like, these things have personhood. These souls have personhood. Clearly, they, they make their own decisions. And it's like, but what if, what if we just killed them off? Because... Making a dead body fight is unnatural. Making dead bodies fight? Like, that's that's fucking unnatural. Who cares about the souls, though? And, like, as soon as he hears this, Ichigo is like, what must that soul be feeling? Holy shit. Like, he's not even thinking, like, what is the soul going to keep doing with my body? Or what yeah. other people is he going to hurt? He's like, this, holy, holy shit, this is a big, heavy thing. That guy must be panicking. Like, that's immediately what he thinks of. See, what this really makes me want this show to be, uh, and I, I, we both know it doesn't, like, do this, it really makes me want this show to continue as, like, Rukia unlearning, like, the fact that, like, Soul Society is not the greatest shit ever, and, like, unlearning her cophood, and, like, Ichigo, like, actually, you know, continuing to have this emotional intelligence where he's, like... I care less about the fact that we were making dead bodies fight and that you were, you know, making these artificial souls. I just, I want the show to be them, like, taking down this corrupt society, and I know that's not, like, how it goes. Yeah, like Lin says, like, you know what, let's just rewrite the canon. Kubo, it's ours now. <laughs> just hand it over. My city. Here, let me, you know what, welcome to Bleachcast, my Bleach fanfiction writing podcast. Here, uh, let's brainstorm. No, I'm joking. Yeah, Ichigo wonders how the mod soul must feel, uh, and, like, not only how he must feel, like, in general, but, like, the fact that he has a body now, and still he has to keep running. As it turns out, not Ichigo feels ecstatic! He's leaping through the air and just, like, loving the attention his special, special legs get him. He lands on a nearby fence and expresses gratitude for having a power that makes him stand out. He notices three young schoolboys playing on their Game Boys as one complains about how boring P.E. is. Boy, I'm sure glad we cut class. This is, like, the the one point I feel, like, any sympathy. Like, 
yeah, as, as Lynn said, reluctantly feel sympathy for the mod soul uh, regarding like the earlier conversation. One of the kids, Eno, loses a battle in his game, so he can t- so he tells his game creature to fight better for the one who created him. Another kid, Hashigami, suggests killing the creature, and Eno's like, yeah, you know what, that's a good idea. Those who don't obey the- their masters die, and he deletes the creature. The third kid, Kanata, is surprised he actually deleted it, and Ino says he'll just make a better one. They all laugh, and not Ichigo angrily confronts the boys and attempts to kick one, only for real Ichigo to block his leg at the very last second, forcing him back and ending the episode. That was a weird exchange. That was a very, very weird enforced exchange that was meant to, like, relate to what's happening. Well, like, all these kids definitely, definitely take, like, magnifying glasses and burn ants, right? Like, yeah, for sure. That's what these kids do in the summer. Um, and, like, yeah, it, it's super heavy-handed, but at the same time, it's like, I've known people who kind of, maybe not use those words, but that is kind of, like, how they approach video games. And yeah. this is very directly, like, oh, yeah, no, you understand why he's uh, super angry, because deleting an AI that's seen as a toy or a thing, mm-hmm. is it's literally what almost happened to him, presumably. Yeah. And it's literally what he assumes is going to happen if he gets caught. Like, this is his reality. And it's like, hey, you are... Like, the kids are a pretty good stand-in for his shitty cop masters at this point. God, it... I didn't like this episode. Yeah, like, this episode... It... Like... This episode doesn't have any medium parts. Like, it has some really good jokes. Like, Orihime's entire whole-ass loaf of bread. It's got... The fact that Rukia folds up the pajamas in this neat little square when she leaves the bed. Like, it has these really good jokes. And then it just completely craters any goodwill you have towards it with, like, the downplaying of sexual harassment. the Well, the continual yeah. downplaying of sexual harassment. And then, like, just having Ururu there to be... She doesn't really serve more of a, much of a purpose other than to make mistakes and be called stupid. And then be Jinta's yeah, punching really. bag. Like, she's just there to be the outlet for this kid's frustration. And you're just like, this kid is the worst and I don't want him on screen. But then as soon as he's on screen with her, he somehow gets even worse. It, and it's, like, especially disappointing because there are there are definitely moments of this episode that do bring us back to, okay, this is what the show could be. This is actually a good moment. I really like the Ichigo stuff this episode where, you know, you know, he actually talks about, you know, why are you creating artificial souls only to destroy them? That's kind of fucked up. But the rest of the episode just like absolutely falters with its constant, constant like abuse of its female characters. I, I, it was gross. I I had a hard time like finishing this episode because I was so like angry about it actually. Yeah, like the like the good stuff is really good, but ironically, the episode is worse for it because then it immediately like it the good stuff is there and then it kind of like not instead of going dull to the bad the bad shit, like the really horrendous shit and you're, and like getting really angry and instead of that anger like just kind of dulling to like a simmer of like god i don't like this just let this be over instead we get good parts that are like oh this is the show this could be and then it craters again so it feels even worse so it's like yeah ironically the good parts of this episode make the episode as a whole worse i agree i agree entirely there is one really good gag at the very very end in the next episode segment 
The next episode segment for this episode has... Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, I remember this. So it has Chad explaining the next episode. And he goes, next episode. I can't do this. Sorry. And and then it stops there. And I'm like, this is a good Chad gag, and I hope it stays around. Lynn says they brought back Chad to try and save the episode. God. I I needed more of this. I needed more Chad content in my life. And it's like Yeah, like the like you have good jokes, Bleach. You don't have to go to the bad ones. You have really yeah. good humor. You can be funny without being like really annoying and falling into anime's like worst pitfalls. You can be. It really, you really have, could be so much funnier. Like, you have that power, and we've seen it. We've seen it in these episodes. They have that power. But it's like, no, they like they just really, like, double and triple down. Well, at, well, it's like, they're like, hey, we've introduced characters for whom this is, like, this ho- their whole shtick. I'm just like, oh, God. Ugh. And if memory serves, this is just, like... We get, like, two... We, we're going to get, like, a bunch of emotional moments with Khan next episode, but... If memory serves, like, then he just turns into the edgy punchline, and it's like, why are you even here? Why are you even in this show? Sorry, uh, the edgy pervert punchline. I, I very, very specifically remember at, at least one moment where he does stare up Rukia's skirt. So, that, that, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Well, I, not edgy. Edgy. Like... Oh, the, edgy. The, okay. Okay. Because, like... I understand now. Good. Because like I I would say pervert, but it's it's this specific brand of pervert, right? Like there's there's a certain level of like there's like some races uh, racy jokes that you can be like okay like that's like a a good little like horny joke or whatever. But then there's like this is what a lot of anime for kids thinks is funny, specifically when it when it pertains to like flipping skirts and like. And having girls be like super embarrassed and ah, oh, isn't it funny? And now everyone's like laughing at seeing their panties and whatever. And it's like, no, that shit's gross. Like, please don't. So that's what that's why I, I that's why like I'm using the word etchy because it's like it's like yeah. a specific not not to be that guy who speaks in English and uses a bunch of Japanese words, <laughs> but it's like I feel like it's it's such a good it's a very good term to be like mm. like I mean this specific brand of horny. Like, I mean this specific brand of pervert. Yeah. Uh, Lynn says, Racy jokes are weird to have in a show marketed towards kids and centered in kid characters. I agree with that. That is a very big problem in anime itself. Uh, especially with Jump. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Like, yeah. I, frankly, would love to see all horniness erased from Jump. And, like, I say that as someone who reads trash like Food Wars. So, we should probably end the episode. Yeah, I think this is a good, uh, as good a point as any for the ending. You can follow me on Twitter at lavender underscore pause, and you can follow the uh, the podcast Twitter at bleachcast, or email us with any questions at iwobleachcast at gmail dot com. And as for myself, I'm at at ssbslj on Twitter, and Lynn is at at. L-O-T-E underscore L-A-K-E on Instagram. Yeah, uh, stay cool, chads. Stay cool, chads. Don't be perverts. Don't be perverts. Don't be perverts.
Welcome to Earwash Out, a Preach We Watch podcast. This will be our little secret. Lily will learn once she starts editing the show. Oh, neat. I might be getting a free fan. Then do you use Fahrenheit or Celsius? Because it was 39 degrees Celsius today with the Humidex. 35 feels like 39, and it was the worst. I am not a fan of this temperature. Although it's probably as warm or warmer in your neck of the woods, I suppose. I'm like, I need a good like 23, maybe a 24. That's my, that's my good spot. Just gonna, give me a good like 22 to 23, or maybe like a 15 as like a, a brisk walk at night. It's like t-shirt weather. It's t-shirt weather, but not shorts weather. <laughs> 